Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to The Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I mean, I think you guys know that my thoughts on 6 and 10 is not even remotely good enough. Um, we're not running an operation here to try to be 6 and 10. Um, we're trying to win every time we go out. Um, we didn't get that done this year. But concentrating on today. Last Wednesday, I was concentrating on Wednesday. That's truly the way I approach things, is just do what's best today. The best portion of myself today is the only thing I try to get. Uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We've got meetings scheduled through next week, and I'm looking forward to, you know, going to work tomorrow. You know, I, you know, I don't, again, I, I truly don't buy into the speculation stuff. I'll work and show up tomorrow and do the best job I can do for the Browns tomorrow. Welcome to the end of the year dog summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I am your host, Thelonious7. The 2019 season began with a lot of hype and fanfare, only to end the season with the removal of Coach Kitchens and Dorsey as general manager. There is a ton of speculation as to the direction of this franchise. I wanted to take some time to understand what happened this year and hopefully get some idea of how we can move forward. To aid us in this cause, we've reached out to three members of the Cleveland podcast community. The first of these guests is Rod Bloom, who can be found at CLERodB on Twitter. He writes for Browns Access and co-hosts the Browns Blitz podcast. The kind of wisdom he posits is the type you can only get from years and years of following this team. We are fortunate to hear from him at Dogs by Nature Radio. Hi, this is Rod Bloom from the Browns Blitz podcast. You can catch me at Clee Rod B and the podcast at the Browns Blitz. Very happy to be a part of the end of year dog summit. A little bit sad to see the season ending, especially the way it did but happy to be going over some of the questions that were posed. Rod, it's great to have you. I, for one, am looking forward to hearing your responses to these questions. Now, our second guest is Brian Mitchell of the Bernie Kosar podcast. Brian Mitchell was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He and his partner, Joe, were talking about NFL fan therapy. He's been gracious with his time I'm thrilled to have him back on Dogs by Nature Radio. Hello, Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm Brian Mitchell from Bernie Kozar Podcast and NFL Fan Therapy. How you do? It is a joy to have you on the show. Brian and Joe can be found at BK underscore pod on Twitter. Next, we welcome John Cahill, the co-host of the Two Green Browns Podcast. 
on Big Heads Media. The green in the two green browns podcast refers to the foliage on the distant Emerald Isle across the Atlantic, where John hails from. Mr. Kyle Hill is a gracious guest with his time, and we appreciate his contribution to this discussion. He can be found at John Cahill underscore IRL on Twitter. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get into it. First up on the docket, who has it worse? A diehard fan of the team up north or the fans of the orange and brown? Up first, we go to Rod Bloom of the Browns Blitz podcast. I think Browns fans have it worse. A school up north won a championship in 1997, according to my research, and it's been quite a bit longer for Browns fans. Uh, most of us were not alive the last time the Browns won a, won a title. It's been a long, long time. And the Browns, especially recently, are essentially competing against themselves. It's been very frustrating for the fans watching the constant rebuilds, the the quarterback carousel, the, the new coach every couple of seasons. A lot of frustration for Browns fans. Uh, it's not that the Browns couldn't compete in the NFL. It's that they just can't seem to get it right. Whereas as the school up north, you know, they, they have a rough time going up against the Buckeyes. They, they haven't beat the Buckeyes in, in uh, you know, in years. But... They can still have a successful season, still be ranked high, still make it to a bowl game, you know, and, and still, still kind of come out with the, with uh, what they can sell as a decent season. Whereas the Browns, it's been, it's been a long, long time. Let's just put it that way. Yep, fifty-six years and counting. <laughs> and you're right; that fifty-six years means never for most of our audience. But I don't know. As I look out on the sports landscape, I think that the only ones who might understand the way that it feels to be a Browns fan are the fans of the maize and blue. So let's hear from Brian Mitchell. Who has it worse? The fans of the maize and blue or the fans of the orange and brown? Well, I have to say orange and brown for sure. I mean, it's like it's like watching Avengers Endgame and watching the Avengers lose again you know you assemble this amazing team all the way from all the way around the galaxy and you still lose to to this one guy and this one guy is uh just a head coach just having a good head coach it's just sad Uh, heartbreaking it's truly heartbreaking you finally amass the talent only to be undone by a lack of coaching experience. And now let's hear from John Cahill of the Two Green Browns podcast. There's no, uh, there's no doubt in, in my mind as to as to who has it worse at the moment. And uh, to, to be uh, to be on this orange and brown roller coaster um, that's been going on uh, the last few years now has been uh, it's been quite difficult, very difficult few days uh, have gone by here, and we've seen we've seen our, our front office and, and coaching staff sort of stripped down to the bones again. So it, it it's it's a difficult period. It, we seem to. To fluctuate, we seem to be in a state of 
in between difficult periods for the last 20 years so I think we're um, I think we're just getting used to it uh, at this point but uh, I am hopeful for the future and, and I think there will come a point in the not so distant future where the orange and brown will definitely uh, have it easier and I think we're uh, we will be on the ascendancy again but in, with all that being said, uh, one thing I'm definitely doing this year is checking my expectations before before we get into before we get into the the new year and all that. It'll be a, I don't think the fan base will make the same mistake this year as we did with running mild with our expectations. John, I say that to myself every year that I won't get built up, I won't get sucked in by the hype. But then five months, six months later, I'm getting pulled into mini camps and it starts all over again. Your response uh, takes us to our next question about how we were wrong and how we might see things differently. Here's our next question. What can you say you learned about your analytical skills after a season like this? In other words, if you could send a message back to in time to the beginning of the season what advice would you give what kind of things are you looking for now in the next coach of the team that is definitely a broad question so let's go to brian mitchell of the bernie kosar podcast uh if i had a delorean if i can go back in time and have a delorean i would say uh hey baker um Let's not do commercials. No, no. Let's 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 get wins before we start doing commercials. And um, don't endorse Greg Robinson as your left tackle. That that was a bad idea. And then for Dorsey to be like, oh yeah, he's our he's our tackle. He's going to be our guy. No, no. Like you have to build the house before you could stomp around and you know put your feet down. I don't know how a house works and stuff. I haven't built a house, so. Well, I just want a coach that has... I want a coach that has the cojones to stand up to Baker and bench him if he's not playing well, to yell at him, to to really show him, like, you're number one. Belichick yells at Brady. Let's do the same thing. We I, That's what fuels him. That's what we need. There's a lot to unpack in that answer. Uh, For one, building things isn't an easy process. It does take time. And that's time that the GMs in Cleveland unfortunately haven't had. And after listening to this response, I'm reminded that people deal with grief in their own ways. So let's hear from Rod Bloom. Well, I think a lot of people are off this this season. Uh, there, there may have been a few people that, that thought the Browns were going to struggle to get to 500. Uh, there weren't many. Uh, you know, I, I thought the Browns were going to go 12 and four, make a nice run in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I was wrong. Um, right along with a lot of other people, uh, I think that uh, I bought into the hype, like a lot of people did. I think that I looked at. You know, a little bit too much of a fantasy football angle, thinking that the Browns were just going to put these guys out there and they were going to be unstoppable on offense. Um, you know, th- that wasn't the case. It, ta- it takes time for a team to gel. And, you know, and that's assuming that everything goes right with the staff that's put together and the coach and everything else and the playbooks and everything. Um, 
it just it just didn't happen so um, you definitely have to see some results you have to be a little bit more conservative you have to understand that uh, typically a first year coach and 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 staff and everything it's going to take some time for some things to come together um, I also uh, I also fell in love with the presser which I should have known better um, I, I still I still think Freddie's a heck of a guy I like his his life philosophy, but it just didn't translate to football. So, um, you know, if I could go back, I think I would just kind of say, "Hey, you know, we need to we need to wait and be more patient and see what happens with this team first. And I know there were people saying that. There were people that were saying, "Show me," and uh, you know, it, and uh, I just uh, I was a little too optimistic about the team. As far as the next coach and what what I'd like to see in the next coach, I want somebody with staying power. Uh, it, it is vital that the Browns hire a coach that can stay as the head coach of the Browns for a length of time. If the Browns hire a coach that's only here a year or two, it, it, it's just it's going to be an incredible loss. Uh, for the team, for the franchise, they're going to end up missing missing on the window with Baker. Um, they're going to end up missing on the window with a lot of these guys if if that's what happens. So they need somebody who has uh, some authority, um, an authority figure who's decisive, who can command a room, and who is not going to be questioned, and who can put up enough wins, I guess, to to uh, keep people happy enough to keep them around. So um, hopefully he, hopefully it's a coach who can start off hot because <laughs> whoever the next guy's in, if he starts off 0-2, it's gonna it's gonna be a rough season. Uh, that's just that's just how it is here in Cleveland. So uh, most of all, I want somebody who's gonna be around and hopefully that uh, can help this team gel and can eventually produce a winner. You know, I, I think it may be unrealistic to expect whoever comes in to get this team uh, either into the playoffs or deep into the playoffs in their first season. You know, we may need to back off on our expectations and expect a, a good season and then, you know, a, a real, you know, a better one thereafter. It surprises me how similar your story is, the story that I was telling myself about this year. I think in retrospect, what I've learned is that when you're too emotionally attached to a team, it just really shapes your ability to see things objectively and to make a predictive assessment. Uh, Because ultimately, we needed the Browns to be good, to make up for the fact that we went 0-16, 1-15, 1-31, 3-36. All of that stuff should have a meaning for us. It needs to have a meaning. And the meaning makes sense if this year the Browns do something special, right? Of course, none of that past narrative matters if you can't get your current pieces working together on the field. Uh, so let's get a response from John on this one. I, I think the, I think the main thing I will go back and say to myself is is like what I said to previously about expectations. I would I would love to go back. I'd love to go back to March this year and sit myself down and, and have a little chat and uh, to explain to yourself that um, the expectations of the team which we, which we placed on them of 
God, you know, Super Super Bowls and playoffs and stuff like that maybe were unrealistic. Maybe, you know, to go back and assess and, and to, to to look at the, the little bit of success we had towards the end of last year maybe wasn't going to be as easily transferable to this year. And that the experience that a head coach has is vital. Absolutely vital and sort of leads me on to the next type of things. What am I looking for in, in the next head coach? Um, I think we need experience I think we need someone who is going to lead the players who's going to lead by example and going to set the tone maybe in the place a little bit more like I suppose discipline was something we heard a lot about this year and maybe the, maybe the team was a bit undisciplined and you know maybe some of that did come down from the head coach and it's, it's easier to look back and say that now but, but in the middle of the season I suppose we weren't all as aware and um I think, uh, I think the, I think the front office, I think the front office really is going to have to, is going to have to be in sync with the head coach a little bit more. I think we need, we need more of a cohesive front. We need to get rid of all that tension in, in the building. We we need to get rid of the the competing ideologies. And in sort of, in, in other words, I don't think it's a bad idea for the G for the head coach to have somewhat of an input into who the general manager is he's going to be working with because you look at all the successful organizations out there at the moment and most of the successful organizations out there are organizations that are that that have head coaches and general managers on on pretty much on the same page and that's maybe where a little bit of the dysfunction starts and maybe some of that flows downhill so again just to get back to a head coaching candidate uh i want someone who is basically not going to take any shit and and lead the players. I, I think we made a mistake by surrounding Baker Mayfield with people who he may have considered a bit more in his camp and sort of like friendly towards him. He's, he's got Ryan Lindley who as his QB coach who he's familiar with, Garrett Gilbert. Uh, went to the same school as very familiar with Freddie he seemed to, to push for Freddie's appointment in the in the beginning. I, I don't think it's going to do Baker uh, any favours uh, having like a, a, a crowd of yes men uh, around him so I think it'll be good to get someone with a with some kind of outside influence and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes uh, we'll see where it goes uh, from there but I, I think that would be a good start both John and Brian talking about the yes men surrounding Baker Mayfield. Uh, One of the reasons that I think Kitchens was selected for the position was that he was um, seen as sort of giving the ball to six, making Baker Mayfield the focal point of the offense and giving him power within the structure. John is right on point in his thinking that this is going to change with the next regime. The next question is about inflection points. Rank your top five inflection points of the 2019 season. What were the most important things to happen? Let's start this time with John Cahill. Well, there's a couple of, um, I suppose, the five things that I, I would look at, not really in particular order, because there's some positive, there's some negative. Um, at number five, one thing I think that I'm definitely reflecting over the year and is sort of... Um, over the whole course of the year it has been a bit of a thing that has um, has been a huge impact on the team I think really is not not utilising the weapons not utilising weapons we had. we had we had Nick Chubb we had the chance to get him to top rusher in the, in the NFL this year 
and we, we didn't do it like we we, we, we didn't uh, we didn't use Nick Chubb uh, as well as we could have we didn't use him in tandem with Hunt as well as we could have we had OBJ and Jarvis who had reasonably reasonably good years like but we have one one of the best wide receiver tandems in the in the NFL we have David Njuku who, who's, who's an absolute weapon now I know he was out injured and all that but even when he came back or even before he, he went out injured not utilising um, Njuku for his best skills like his, his best skills aren't exactly blocking or whatever like but he, he is a, a red zone threat so definitely I think that is that's something I would reflect on um, at this point in the year at number four O-line performance we knew it was an issue coming in this year and we didn't really do much about it um, Teller really did notable addition great to see JC Tretter signed up long term um, we appear to be quite soft at the tackles on the outside um, Hubbard had an absolutely for, forgetful year to be honest now at this point and Greg Robinson you know is he really the answer at left tackle probably not going forward for me but um, that's definitely something I reflect on uh, a positive thing at number three the special teams very impressed with Mike Prefer's performance this year probably the only coach that's coming out with um, reputation intact at the end of this year I believe uh, did a great job uh, our two rookies our rookie kicker rookie punter Siebert has missed a few PATs here and there uh, but quite a solid year Jamie Gillen very solid um, very solid year and um, at points like you know a couple of wow moments here and there um, so very good it was good to see good, good to watch this year at number two Baker's regression definitely regressed this year many reasons why um, that has happened and we'll get into that in the next question I think and uh, at number one uh, to finish on a positive in division performance I, I thought like the, um, we did pretty well in our division compared to compared to other years we, we left we left games behind us should be beaten the Bengals um, should have beaten uh, Pittsburgh second time round you know really should have and that was quite positive uh, quite positive to see an, an uptake in, in divisional performances and the win against Baltimore obviously the highlight and possibly our our biggest win of the year and um probably the only of our wins that we we came out really happy with john you could argue that the browns even at six and ten had the most impressive win of any team in football let's hear from brian mitchell before we wrap things up with rod blue Ooh, the most top five top five? Oh boy well miles garrett i mean that's uh antonio callaway getting getting waved Demarius Randall, no show. The Titans game, week one, really just showed us that we were not ready for anything at all. <laughs> it really showed us everything there. But, I mean, to round it out, beating Baltimore. That was fun. I mean, that was that Nick Chubb run. I was like, oh, man, this is the best thing in the world. I think we're here. But then we weren't. And that's, that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, of course, right on about the Ravens, but I'd completely forgotten about Demarius Randall. Um, he being uh, absent in a very critical game for the Browns, it's, it's something that's really gone, it's something that's been under-discussed with all the other huge stories going around uh, the Cleveland Browns organization. Let's get to Rod Bloom before he put an end to the first half of this Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm going to go over these, in, not in any particular order, 
I think there are just five key things that happened this season that either set the tone for the season or or for the franchise. Uh, I think the, the first thing that that happened for me, um, some of these are, are probably chronological, but uh, was the was the OBJ trade uh, <laughs> where where uh, OBJ came to Cleveland. Kevin Zeitler went to the Giants, and that did a couple of things, which we can look back on now. It, it raised the expectations. That's what I heard a lot of people say when when uh, Browns obtained OBJ was. I, I heard the Super Bowl word come up on Twitter, and <laughs> so the expectations went up, and the strength of the offensive line went down. And the offensive line uh, was never what it what it was uh, with Zeitler, obviously, uh, throughout the season. Uh, Dorsey tried to get some guys in, you know, and, and duct tape it up, but uh, just you know, th- there were games where they played, but obviously it was not the same as having Kevin Zeitler there. So um, I think that trade. You know, whether you like it or not, whether you like having OBJ here, it was a trade that really damaged the team in two ways by bumping up the expectations and diminishing the strength of the offensive line. Uh, the next the next point would be the uh, loss, the blowout, loss to the Titans week one, where it just kind of shocked everybody. Everybody thought that Browns were going to go out and get that first win uh, that they really needed with a tough early schedule. And then all of a sudden... They get a loss and they're looking at some some tough games coming up and everybody's like, whoa, you know, what's going to happen this season? So that was definitely definitely a, a big point in the season, week one. The Miles Garrett suspension, it's almost hard to quantify what that did to the Browns' defense, losing Miles for the last, I believe, six games of the season. He was on pace to, uh, I believe, break the sack record for the Browns, and he was just drawing a lot of attention, obviously. And they, they lose him. They end up losing Olivier Vernon. And they had some guys step up on the defensive line. But when you lose one of the one of the best players in the league, uh, it's, really hard to, it's really hard to recover from that. And I, it, it did some other things, too. The Freddie with the T-shirt and everything. So it's just it was just a huge, huge point in the season. For my fourth inflection point, I'm going to lump two games together. It was the Browns beating Baltimore in Baltimore and the Browns beating Pittsburgh in Cleveland. First time the Browns have beat both of those teams in the same season. And that is huge. I don't care who the coach was, who the players were. Just the mentality of knowing that the Browns have the ability to compete with these teams and know that that they can go toe-to-toe with these guys uh, in the division. And they, they finished 3-3 three and three this year in the division, despite you know the, the rest of the record. And that, that's something they can carry forward going, going into next season. Um, whoever happens to be left here uh, for next season, hopefully uh, the core of the guys will still be left. And it's something that they can carry with them. The uh, fifth point would be the loss in Arizona. 
just because that's I think when things really fall apart uh, at least that's what Jarvis Landry's saying and you know that that's I think when the Browns um, regardless of what the number said it's when the Browns really got eliminated that's when kind of looked like uh, some guys weren't playing like some guys didn't care like Freddie had lost some guys so that was kind of when it seemed like things were kind of over at that point I, I see what you're saying about the uh, Cardinals game. That was definitely a terrible loss, but one that you could almost see coming with their earlier performances on, on the road out west. The, the issue which was troubling to me was when they struggled against rookie quarterbacks like nobody's business. Yeesh. A little bit unsettling. Well, with that, we'll put the first half of this dog summit in the book. The second half should be out sometime this weekend, and hopefully we'll have more when the coach and GM situations have been resolved. Okay, you've been listening to the Dog Summit with John Cahill, Brian Mitchell, and Rod Bloom. I'm your host, Alonia7. We'll be back soon. Take care. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.